What is going on, everybody? Welcome to episode number 57 of Ben and Boozin here on the HHH Racing Podcast. I, of course, am your host, Kyle Roscoe. And we have a really nice show for you guys today. A very interesting sequence coming from Laurel Park over in Maryland. The Maryland Jockey Club has four stakes on a late pick five card, and it's going to be a very interesting one. We, like I said, we've never con- uh, covered Laurel before. I don't even know if the flagship shows really covered Laurel before. So this will be a first for the HHH Racing Podcast. But of course, it's not the first time. Of course, not the first time we're looking at Laurel. We understand tendencies and stuff like that. But for the first time on the show, we are going to be covering Laurel Park, and it's going to be very, very exciting. And we have the full band back together, guys. If you see scrolling on the bottom of the screen, my email is right there. Betting and boozing at gmail.com. Please email me, email me with any questions, comments, or concerns. You also see scrolling right now. Next show is tomorrow at 8 p.m. Eastern with Howard, Pete, and Paul covering the LeCompte Stakes Day at Fairgrounds. It's of course has the road to Kentucky Derby. Kentucky Derby points are on the line. Not one you want to miss, guys. Tomorrow at 8 p.m. Eastern. That's Thursday, January 18th. If you guys are watching this before that date but real quick guys we'll go through peripherals up or you can always find us in apple podcast spotify and anchor if you're more of an audio listener they are all not only every episode of betting and booze and is posted there but every single episode that goes up on the hhh racing podcast but also including our new show horsing around that airs every single monday from now um, episode two just went up on monday with a great viewer of the podcast tom espinoza and i believe pete Pete, Howard, and Tom talked about the state of California racing and, of course, recapping last weekend's stakes races. If you guys are interested at all, please go watch that and tune in every Monday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. We have an awesome uh, pick sheet for you guys called the Power Picks, $15.99 a month, only $4 a weekend, and you get two full tracks covered, and we are way over the ROI almost at 500 picks now, still way in the green. You guys are missing out if you guys aren't subscribed to the cheapest yet most profitable pick uh, pick sheet in um, at least on YouTube. Patreon.com slash HHH Racing Podcast for that link is also in the description. And if you want to see previous editions of the Power Picks or anything about us, please go to HHHRacingPodcast.com. But guys, like I said, we have the full band back together tonight. So we're going to pull you guys on right now. Um, and like I said, every single person, we have a great sequence for you guys. But bringing on from the University of Kentucky, which hopefully they can finally pull out a basketball win, seems like forever. Noah Maher, Patrick Kunsel, and of course, Charlie Freeman. Boys, what's going on? Um, I'm happy the low blow was finally on someone else besides me when it comes to the college stream. I'm sorry it had to be Noah, but it's finally enough. Yeah, I don't know where that's coming from. but I'm Yeah, I was going to say, have they been losing? No, they're, they're playing right now. They're up by like 20. It's because they lost to A&M a couple of days ago. Kyle's just feeling I'll, something I'll Michigan, Michigan beat a bad OSU team to end a five-game losing streak, and they lost to McNeese. So he's just trying hey, to hey, anything to distract everybody. Now, now they're bad, dude. They were good before. They're bad now. I don't understand. It just switches every now and again. It's really crazy, just like every flip Yeah, but didn't, didn't they OSU win a national time. championship in football and just beat? OSU in basketball. I mean, that's they could do oh, that. I, I would rather them not win in basketball, personally. Yeah, I'd no, I'm, have I'm some happy changes over there. Out of there. I'll take the loss. But oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always again. It's always excuses after the win. But guys, thanks so much for joining on. We're gonna have. We're gonna go um, pretty quick here. Through. We're not gonna go pretty quick. We're gonna deep dive into Laurel Park and their late pick five on Saturday. Also, we're gonna touch on the NFL slate coming up this weekend with the four 
uh, playoff games that look to be really good. Katie and Tom are here, guys. Thanks so much for joining the show. Greatly appreciate it. Guys, if you guys are here and you have any opinions on the World Park card, I just want to um, or just want to give your opinions on the races as we go through them, please comment in the live chat. It's just to the right of the video player. We would greatly appreciate it. And we also read every single comment. But guys, let's get into um, let's get in the late pick five here. So cheers up, boys. Let's go straight into race number six, which is the start of the late pick five at um, Laurel Park. Race number six is it's going. It's a $75,000 stake race. The Geisha stakes going one mile for fillies and mares, four-year-old and up. And this is for only Maryland bred or Maryland sired horses. This draws a full field 11, guys. You know, while it might not be the best quality over there in Maryland based breeding-wise, they definitely bring them. Um, in big numbers. So full field of 11 here, Morningland favorite. Um, if you know Maryland, Maryland racing or any East coast racing, you know, the name Russell, Brittany, Brittany and Sheldon Russell. They, you pay the IRAD tax everywhere else in Maryland, you pay the Brittany Russell tax. So Northern Globe will most likely be your Morningland favorite, the number six. And I'd say, you know, Royal risk, Royal whisper circle home. Those are your two other maybe middling prices. Um, but we'll go and I'll bring up the picks right now for the boys and you'll see race number six. We're all flip flop except for one person. Patrick, you're going with the number 11, who Charlie has in third. No one I have nowhere. But other than that, I'm on the nine. Charlie and Patrick. I mean, Charlie and Noah are both on the six. So, Patrick, you have the duty of going first, my friend. The number 11, Mavilis for Toledo and Mancilla. What you like most about um, what you like most about Mavilis? Yeah, you know, Mavilis is a six-year-old. Um, you know, I don't usually like, you know, a horse that's getting there up in age, but, um, you know, has gotten over 300000 in purse money and was bought for 5500 That's a big theme in, <laughs> you know, this card. You know, some of these horses were bought for pretty cheap and made a, a good penny back, which is cool to see. Um, you know, I think this horse will like the outside posts. Um, looking at previous races, um, those races have been a little bit slower. Um, there is some speed signed out on. So with that outside draw should benefit from that, um, has thrown in some nice works, uh, last, last couple times out, which I think is nice to see for a six year old. So I ex expect this horse to improve, um, after that kind of a, a dud performance last time out, um, in a field that, you know, it, it, it's wide open. So uh, to see that we're kind of all in a similar spot, you know, with, um, you know, six, nine, and I have the 11, you know, I think that's interesting well Mavlis is the is the one horse i couldn't really pinpoint i don't know about you guys um charlie you have the horse in third and then i'll let you talk about um your top pick which is which is most likely going to be the favorite Mavlis, like very grindy horse never really a push button go and i watched this race here and i i didn't even know timonium was a track to be perfectly honest with everyone out there um kind of just really grindy can never really pull forward to get home, but did do it into a slow pace. So you have the horse in third, which is like most of our Mavilis and then go straight into your uh, top choice. Yeah. Well, honestly, exactly what you kind of talked about. I mean, look for a horse underneath, I could probably get a decent price on Mavilis. And my angle was, look, you look at the horse, the horse has been what 18, 29 out of 46 career races in the money. I just think if you're looking again, as we've talked about in the show a lot, if you kind of have a strong opinion on maybe your first or second choice, but you want to create value, it's really good whenever you can kind of find a horse like this. Where, yeah, sure, Mavilis. I mean, look, Patrick Lee's the horse can win. I don't think that's ridiculous to say. 10 for 46 for this quality is still pretty solid. 
but I just think Mavelis is certainly a horse that can be in and around there. You see plenty of second and third and fourth place finishes. So this horse tends to finish right around there. Um, you know, I always also like my closers. Uh, so that was another part of it for me. And, uh, you know, I understand that there was the 60 last time out, but uh, I just, I don't know. I, I, I like the other form before that. I like the consistency with the jockey. And uh, I'm kind of just banking on the fact that, uh, you know, Mavlis can go back to some of the form in the races beforehand, which I don't think is crazy, uh, you know, to believe could happen. And again, I just think as an underneath value is certainly there. Uh, and then, yeah, with my uh, top pick, I believe me and Noah are the two people that are going with Northern Glow. I know you have the horse second. Uh, so, yeah, for Northern Glow, I mean, as you touched on, obviously you're going to have to pay the tax of the Russell having the horse. Uh, but for me, again, just I like the consistency, you know, other than that 57 at Laurel going six furlongs, every other effort has pretty much just been consistently anywhere from like the high 60s to high 70s, which would be best in this field. And I just, you know, I, I watched the replays. And again, like I understand in this race, you're not going to find one like kind of Patrick touched on. There's not one horse that truly stands apart from the rest significantly, which is why it's kind of interesting that we were all so similar. But I just think if you were going with, you know, the safest bet for a horse to get the job done, Northern Glow makes a lot of sense. Another one, you know, six out of seven career starts in the money, a horse that always, you know, runs her race. And obviously, in my opinion, and Noah's believe this horse will get the job done. Uh, and then, yeah, no, I'm guessing is that kind of what you also felt with Northern Glow? Yeah, I agree for the most part. I, I didn't really think there was anybody in here that I was, you know, super thrilled with. Um, so I just kind of de uh, defaulted with the Russells. Um, I was, it was kind of interesting to see. I, I didn't really know that Laurel had this kind of unique one-turn mile. I, I didn't mm -hmm. know, you know, Laurel was one of those tracks that had that. Um, so I was kind of trying to key in on, you know, some horses that have either gone, you know, mile 16th, mile and 8th, and I just thought this was one that's probably the most live and, and, you know, should be one that is pretty well suited for that distance. Yeah. And I completely agree with you guys. Trust me. I think the horse is very alive. I have them in second. Anytime you see uh, the Russells have horses like these that show that have been showing improvement last out, um, not by our top, but best of um, the last six months. So Definitely one to look forward to. Northern Glow, I think, just sits a really nice trip in this race as well. Sits a nice stalking trip right behind the speed. And, guys, one thing I want to show is we have the new Timeform PPs that they show out over on Picks and Ponies that we don't get usually over here, but we did get them. You'll see the um, the number six Northern Glow is slotted right behind um, right behind the speed of my nine, which I have on top. And to be honest, guys, I thought the horse is fast, definitely out of the gate, definitely previous races, that being the number nine Royal whisper. But this last race guys was, I, in my opinion, the best race this horse has ever run. And I'll go, I'll show the replay real quick here. You're looking at the number 11 here on the outside gate and you'll see she's all the way out here. So she's in the teal colors wide. And as I keep going forward, You'll see she's still, I mean, she's only two wide there, but you'll see she has to switch out four wide again. And she's out um, out here in the clear, and she finally does end up getting going and gets beat by a three horse that just has a lot better trip. You can see the three getting the inside trip and just getting nosed out on the wire, guys. I thought this was a massive effort coming from this horse. And the fact that this horse doesn't necessarily need the lead in a race like this where there's a lot of horses that, you know, don't need the lead necessarily, but can't really pass too much. I was very, very interested in Northern Whisper being that she could get a little bit more of an inside stalking trip and go by at the top of the stretch on a very uh, closer, uh, not closer favoring, but closer friendly Laurel Park strip. I mean, 
Royal Whisper, guys. I mean, you guys, Charlie and Patrick have Noah doesn't have her anywhere. I just thought she ran a huge race last time and getting a month off for. Um, I know the connections haven't necessarily won this meet, but this is definitely their best chance of any. So Royal Whisper is definitely one I'm going to be keying in on on Saturday. Noah, you're kind of all over the place underneath. I'll let you finish out the conversation real quick. You have the number five. Malibu Moonshine in second, and the number one Bay Street in third. I'll let you touch on real quick, then we'll move on. Yeah, I've got Malibu Moonshine in second. Um, I just think uh, she needed the race last time. Um, you know, Charleston Baker, I, I he doesn't you know run a ton of horses now. I, I feel like he picks his spots pretty well. Um, I just you know I like the fact that this horse has been at Laurel and and run in stakes races and gotten the job done. Um, so I thought that was kind of a positive for me. And then, uh, interesting. And, uh, it's interesting that you bring up that time form because I, I honestly didn't see the nine on the lead either. I thought it was probably going to be the one from the inside and I didn't really see a ton of speed. So that's why I kind of put the one in third. Um, you know, I, I wasn't really sure if this is really a, a dirt meant horse. Um, but from the rail, um, with a race where I don't see a ton of speed, I, I think, uh, Barbosa might find himself on the lead and, you know, maybe stick around. I completely agree with you. I don't find too much speed in this race at all, which is why I kind of like that, you know, that nine and the six kind of angle where they'll just sit right behind the speed and go by in a pretty long stretch. I'm going nine six two. Charlie's going six nine eleven. Patch's going eleven nine six. Noah's going six five one. Guys, gonna move on to race number seven here. Now, real quick, I'll show some comments here. Robbie Courtney, thanks so much for joining the show, man. He likes Robert Glow. Uh, Nor Robbie Glow, wow, Northern Glow <laughs> as well. That's a good name for a horse, by the way. Someone get on that. H the boss steps in. What's up, boys? Two major announcements coming up soon on the podcast. Don't miss a don't uh -oh. miss a show. You snooze, you lose. I I don't even know what the two major announcements are. So I definitely want to tune in tomorrow. That'll probably most likely don't hold my feet to the fire. Most likely be announced tomorrow uh, at 8 p.m. Eastern. Guys, tune in. For that, Paul Conlon, guys. I mean, he's calling you guys out right now. Got to need to change the name to the show of betting with the boozer unless I see others tipping a brewski. It's Modelo time, guys. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm going to need to see some brewskis from the boys. Paul, thanks so much for joining the show, man. Greatly appreciate it. Jim Polars is here, of course, and Tom Espinoza is here as well. Tom was on the show on Monday night, horsing around. Please go check that if you guys didn't watch it tom and thanks for joining the show on that day as well man you did a great job move on to race number seven guys it is the jennings stakes again going one turn but this is just the male version of the geisha stakes we'll move on and i'll switch over the picks right now you'll see there's three fives and i'm the one with the eight i'm taking the russell text this time going with the number eight Post time, the number five, seven's 11, fantastic name for Mancilla again with Cruz aboard. And the other horse, I mean, Coffee with Chris is one that might take some money, one that ran in the Preakness, probably had no business being in the Preakness. But again, I digress. And um, my favorite name of the entire card, just Joe, just Joe, number two in this race. But um, I'll let the boys talk first and then I'll go over why I like the eight so much. Patrick, I'll go to or no, Patrick, I'll let you go first last time. Charlie, I'll let you go first here. Number five, seven's 11 is a horse. Obviously you guys feel very strongly about him. I'm interested to hear what you guys like most about seven's 11. Yeah. So honestly, for me, I was kind of torn, but you know, I kind of have talked about it before how I don't like to go with, you know, two horses on, in my top two that are the same kind of style, unless it really is a two horse race. Cause they're going to go against each other. So that was sort of my, uh, you know, 
hesitation uh, with what my top three is going to be with five, four. But honestly, I think the four will end up having to sit a little bit more. You know, we've kind of seen it in the past. You know, there were some races where the four uh, double count was more forwardly paced, but lately it's kind of had to adjust to being off the pace from facing um, more difficult competition. I think that'll honestly play right into 7-11's hands. Um, for me, I think I obviously there's a very talented field, but I think the three that really stood out to me were the 5-4 and your 8 on top. I think the 4 and 8 are just going to be sitting too far back. And, you know, again, I'm always kind of against speed horses, especially when it is a longer race. Uh, you know, I we've seen time and time again consistency from 7-11. Seven, uh, uh, the horse has not struggled at all to get the distance right. You know, last time I ran a mile of Laurel and wins going away convincingly, never really had to work too hard uh, for the lead, but still set okay fractions. And uh, again, I just, I love the consistency. I understand that there was the 77 figure going six furlongs, but other than that, I mean, you have an 83, 91, 88, 89. Uh, I just, I think the horse loves running at Laurel. Uh, you know, a lot of consistency between the jockey as well. And uh, again, I just for a speed horse that shows no signs of you know fading or struggling with the distance, I feel like Seven Eleven is just going to get loose. I mean, Patrick, I'll go to you next, my man. I mean, I think a lot of people see it that way, and the fact that he might just get loose. But I think there's sneak. I mean, DJ, what's DJ going to do? DJ's going to yeah. have to go for sure. Now then, there's another horse to the inside, I believe. Who is it? The three? Yeah, Coffee with Chris. I mean, Coffee with Chris likes to run on the lead. No. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, that's the only thing I would put a rebuttal on, Charlie, even though I have the horse on top, is th there's definitely a lot of speed signed on, and I don't know if uh, 7's 11 is going to get the lead, but uh, I, I do think this horse has shown the ability to rate a little bit. Uh, you know, I look at uh, one of the allowance races, uh, the horse ran very well and, you know, just sat off a, a wicked pace and ended up, you know, just beating the horses by eight lengths. You know, that wasn't this is a different field, um, but I, I, this horse is shown to rate. And uh, I think that's what could set up uh, well um, in, in this spot for a horse that just, you know, could, can take another step in my opinion. You know, I know threw up a 91 buyer uh, for, you know, uh, four back, but this horse is, you know, one, you know, three out of its last four. So this horse is uh, definitely right in the thick of things. And uh, no, what's, what's your uh, other takes on this, on this horse? Yeah, you guys pretty much touched on it. Um, uh, you know, with with the questions in terms of the pace, yeah, I, I feel like regardless of where he sits, I just think you know either, whether it's on the lead or just off, I think he's going to get the first jump on the eight, which is you know kind of the thing that I'm keying in on. Uh, the only reason why I didn't have post time um, on top, and I don't know if this was really a concern for you, Kyle, uh, but this is a newly turned four year old who's been facing only three-year-olds um and i don't really know if that race last time was all that good and he was two to five and he just really was not a very convincing two to five um you know i understand the numbers you know five for six and the only losses in the perryville against ray's kane and dr bankman who's a really nice uh, california horse um and four for four at laurel as well um but you know according to kyle it sounds like he's really confident in this horse i i am and your points are fully valid, guys. I mean, with a I with a basically a full pace horse then turned into a rate. The last like two, the last race for sure is definitely an eye opener for I'm sure the connections as well that this horse really can sit off. It's definitely an easier spot. I mean, these um not saying that these optional claimers of Laurel are bad, but you have a horse coming from and Brittany Russell, of course, likes to stay in the Northeast. And the fact that she shipped this horse to Keeneland showed, to me at least, the 
um, the confidence that she has in a in the in post time. Last time out, no, I your points are definitely taken as well. The horse was two to five and only one up by a head, but the horse that was right with him, ninety uh, percent, Maddie ran a monster race and only came back to lose the City of Laurel Stakes um, only by a head. Or no, that's sorry, that was the last time out, but my fault. But either way, I just thought ninety um, percent, Maddie ran huge that race, and the fact that post time was still able to get the job done in the final strides. While now getting more distance to the mile, which I think only really helps this horse, um, it's just going to come down to me whether the five gets the jump on the eight and the eight just can't close in time, which is completely fair. But I just think post time has a lot of well, like it's he's he's very well meant by Brittany Russell. And the fact that this is not a big field also kind of increases my um confidence that this horse might be able to sit a little bit closer maybe somewhere in that mid pack range and if this horse gets right with the five when it coming from home i have a lot more confidence in post time being able to fly home at the mile than the five but look it could be completely um warranted with the five on top i'm and we all have the number four in there guys double crown i'll just talk about real quick this last time out at laurel Running a mile in the 16th was the eye-opener, obviously. 94 buyer. I mean, ran an 89 at the Polynesian at Pimlico, but really since then hasn't really been able to mask that high 80s buyer and now rips a 94 again, maybe reverting back to this early, um, this mid-2023 form, which would be a much needed for a horse like this. Just a little bit too inconsistent. And with um, horses like Post Time and 7's 11 in this race, Double Crown looks to do the same exact trip and might be good enough for a minor placing, but not to not enough for me to put over the eight or the five. But that's just my opinion. We'll move on, guys. But I'm going eight, five, four. Charlie's going five, four, eight. Patrick's going five, eight, four. And so is Noah going five, eight, four. Guys, switching over to race number eight here. It's the What a Summer Stakes going six furlongs on the dirt for Phillies and Mares, four-year-old and up. This is a field of nine. But there definitely is a few that will be taking a little bit more money. Number two, Headland for George Weaver. Number six, Can't Hurry Love for uh, McCarthy coming over from New York with David Duggan. And there's a few others underneath that we will get into. Lacey Gaudet, uh, I believe it's Lacey Gaudet who's had a very, very is she hot related start to, to me? I'm not uh, sure. Please, if you guys know in the chat, please let us know. Question. I don't I know. I thought I, of that. That came to mind. That was like Gabby if, Gaudet, uh, right? I'm like. I'm like Gabby Good, you know. I thought yeah. for some, I'm like, it's Gabby yeah. Godet have a longer name. Like I'm thinking she's a trainer now. I don't know. And <laughs> it's Gabby Godet. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I think she comes from a very like, um, like horsewoman's family, horseman's family. So. She's from the area. Ter- too. And Terry Frank says yes. So yeah, she's um, from I know, that area. And she's off to a very very hot start at Laurel. So, I mean, this she could easily win this race too. I'll switch over the picks right now, guys, and we'll move on. Um, where three of us had the exact same, uh, wow. the exact same um, three, but Patrick, I mean, you're the odd man out, like completely the odd man out here. Although we do all have the same three horses. You have the number seven, white chocolate on top for Chad Summers, and this is a horse that come that's coming out of very live races, including um, races with like horses like Royal Poppy, Security Code, just a lot of. Um, Really nice races in this horse's form. Yeah, and, you know, we always, like, seem to knock horses that come out of, uh, you know, big trainer barns like Steve Asmussen. And, you know, I know later in the card, uh, 
uh, frat pack comes out of the Chad Brown barn um, and now goes into Chad Summers. And this horse has not, you know, really not missed a step. You know, if anything is, you know, Im- improved, uh, you know, a tremendous amount and, um, you know, has faced much tougher, um, you know, than I think in, the, in this field. Um, and is going to be the speed of the speed. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to try and get too cute. Uh, I get the feeling this horse might go off as the favorite um, and, you know, has won, you know, lost first time out as a favorite, but, uh, you know, came back and won, you know, very impressively last out. And uh, I, I think this horse will be tough. Um, you know, I just wonder what you guys think of the pace, um, you know, in this spot. And if that is, uh, if that's what you have, uh, that's why you have yeah. white chocolate underneath. And, and Noah, yeah, I'm going to go to you next. You know, there's a lot of cold figures in this horses, maybe significant signaling that this was might have had easier leads, but has been, you know, racing in probably the highest races out of anyone with those N1Xs in, in New York. And um, even that race at Mahoning Valley was a good one, too. Um I don't know. I mean, I have the horse second. Obviously, we all do. But it was kind of the pace scenario you're thinking or maybe just, you know, maybe a little bit harder spot in this one. Yeah, um, I just think, you know, based off of numbers alone, uh, this horse is going to be, you know, probably pretty dangerous in this field. Um, I do agree that there is quite a bit of speed in here. Um, But I think, you know, out of the horses that, you know, have that early speed i think this is probably the most likely one to kind of you know have the lead and kind of stick around while others kind of fade back um so definitely a horse uh to respect um with that being said and a lot of that speed uh that's why i have uh, and a lot of other people have can't hurry love on top um just one that i thought would benefit from that pace if anybody was going to in here because it doesn't seem like there's a ton of horses that kind of want to pass um and i just think those new york races uh are just kind of you know better than than these you know quality of of fields here at laurel um it'd be interesting to see what david duggan has done if he's ever you know shipped over to laurel uh that wasn't something i could have found myself but somebody might have that for me i got you but keep going keep going i'll find it for you while we're going through it Uh, yeah that was that was kind of what i was thinking um charlie you've you've also got this horse on top what did you like about can't hurry love yeah, you know, for me, it was really that la- the race the last time out. You know, as you guys kind of touched on, there's a lot of speed in this race. There's a lot of horses that kind of, you know, seem that they want to go, and there's concerns about passing. But what I kind of liked is, you know, you see the race back uh, in June at Belmont where uh, the horse showed the ability to pass, but not by much. You know, it was off by just, you know, two lengths, a length and a half, and then went by, which probably just stalking for clear. But then last time out, faces a hot pace. There will likely be a hot pace again. And, you know, it was, you know, four lengths and change off the lead. And then I understand the horse didn't get the job done, you know, finishes second at a decent value price and you won't get that price in this field. But I just think if Can't Hurry Love can repeat an effort like that, you know, from both a figure and trip standpoint and just kind of sit a few lengths off all that early speed, I think Can't Hurry Love will get the jump. And uh, But, yeah, I, for me, this is really a two-horse race between the six and seven. I think Noah kind of touched on my main point, which is the seven should be the speed of the speed. White chocolate could absolutely get loose. But in the event that white chocolate isn't able to hold on, but maybe outlast the other speed that does go there, I think Can't Hurry Love is going to be, uh, you know, the one that ultimately ends up getting by. And uh, then actually going into the two and then, uh, yeah, I mean, Kyle, it. if there's anything that we touched on that you also wanted to add on to you, Ken. But with Headland, I just think what's tough for this horse, I mean, look, it's George Weaver. Obviously, anytime you see a George Weaver horse, you have to give respect. He you know, is one of the best trainers there is. Um, and he's 
still been in another solid clip, 19%. But uh, I mean, my main concern with headline, honestly, is just, again, there's going to, what we already touched about, you know, there's going to be a lot of pace. I understand that the horse has had some nice figures in the past, but as of recent, it's kind of been a little softer, you know, more in those 70s to low 80s. And I just think for a horse that's going to send, uh, for a horse that probably won't be able to get completely on the lead, but hasn't really shown the ability to stalk and, you know, kind of ran in a race just like this against the six and, you know, tried to keep up with it and then didn't have enough in the tank where the six went by. I just feel like that's the exact same thing that's going to happen to Headland. And I also just don't know what kind of value you get because I think a lot of people will see that it's a George Weaver horse that's been running in New York a lot and people are going to value that as well. And you're just not going to get great value on Headland. But I still think the horse has enough talent to, you know, stay within the top three. But for me, this is really between the six and seven. Not to mention won the last race at Laurel, the last kind of uh, Philly sprinting stakes at Laurel as well in that last race, winning with a 79 buyer. Guys, I mean, look, I completely agree with everything you guys said. I just think Can't Hurry Love gets a better trip. White Chocolate's going to have to suffer a little bit more pace pressure than really she ever has. That race at Mahoning Valley was pretty quick, but um, I think just think there's a lot more quality here, and I think with the 87 last time, if Can't Hurry Love can continue to improve off that and maybe show a little bit you know, into those low 90s, I think Can't Hurry Love will trip out in a spot like this. And to answer your question, um, Noah, it's not very many, it's not very many times for David Duggan. It's only three times in the last five years. Hasn't won one, but has been in the money every single time. So he's a hundred percent in the money, has not won one yet, but at last time he's shipped was early that year, then 2021, then 2019. So it's not very often, but so to that for me, he kind of ships with confidence in that he thinks horses are going to have genuine shots to win if he ships over to laurel but again, yeah it looks like go for it, it looks sorry right. it looked like the when you go back to the stat looked like the one that he shipped over earlier in the year was for a stakes race too i think mm -hmm. I it was i could pull it up again right now here yeah. you'll see snicket yeah the what a summer whack-ass name the what a summer yeah ran to 71 but still shipped over and ran well at 18 to 1 the other two not so high of prices so again the point is proven there that can't hurry love is most likely shipping to win for David Duggan. At least that's what we all think. We're all our six. Charlie, Noah, and I are all six seven two. Patrick is seven two six. All in the same wavelength. Just Patrick a little bit different on the top end. And yeah, there's a, and Mark. Mark Good brings up a point. White chocolate. If you like good candidate for a single in the sequence where you know white chocolate might not be that low of a price either so you'll get that boosted po that pool as well if white chocolate wins as a single mark again that's a good one thanks so much for doing the show man greatly appreciated and the um the boss brings up another good point as well i found in general some horses struggle on the laurel surface from out of town always prefer the hometown team if they're viable candidates that's com that's completely fair i just also think aqueduct's also kind of that trying surface as well in the fact that I think Aqueduct shipping the Laurel might be better from somewhere like, let's say Gulfstream, that's a very fast track to Laurel, that's a very deep and testing track, which is definitely something to look out for. It's a good point brought up by the boss. But, boys, we're going to switch over to race number nine here. This is the last stakes race in the late pick five. It is the fire plug stakes, and I'll switch over to Equibase right now. Again, yes, it's basically you run the Philly version of the race, then you run the male version of the race, which is exactly what this race is. $100,000, six and a half furlongs on the dirt for four-year-olds and up in the male category. Draws a full field of 11. Morning line favorite, you got you could, probably either between Grandpa and Greeley and Ben. Super Chow was going to take a lot of money 
for Jorge Delgado. And there's a lot of cross entries in this race, guys, which is something that we'll point out as we get to the race. But I'll bring up the picks right now. You'll see we're kind of all over the place, guys. We have actually we have Charlie and I in the same Pat Noah and Patrick both have the same on top. Noah, I'll let you go first here. Um, you have the number three classier for Lopez and McGee on top, which um person and Charlie and I don't have anywhere. So I'm very interested to hear what you like most about classier. Well, I'm glad Patrick's with me because I thought this race was very difficult. Um because I, I wasn't sure, you know, with those cross entered horses, you know, how that was gonna affect pace and and stuff like that. Um, but I ended up landing on classier. This is actually a, a three quarter of a million dollar purchase uh mm -hmm. for uh, actually used to be for the Baffert barn um but ended up uh in the hands of Brittany Russell and then uh claimed in March uh by McGee um just a horse that's you know, pretty consistent I would say um two back uh ran a, a buyer top at 96 um and then came back on November 18th I feel like you know horses that have that buyer top uh, especially at the age of six I feel like you know, the next race is the time to kind of beat him to kind of play against him. Um, you know, he was six to five in the race. Um, but I just think, you know, kind of off a little bit of a dud and some time off, I feel like, you know, this, this horse is going to be ready to go. Um, also, you know, the, that was a pretty good feel in its own right. Uh, the second place finisher stage life came back to win. Um, so that was kind of what I was thinking. Um, but Patrick, what, what were you thinking with class here? Yeah. You know, I mean, is in the Baffert barn to start out, you know, loses to Spielberg and Matorius and they're like, goodbye. Uh, no, uh, yeah, listen, this, uh, you know, six year old, I, I just think, you know, is, is tactical, um, in a, in a spot where I do think there's a decent amount of, uh, speed th th that is signed on. Um, I, I don't think, uh, you know, the six and a half, um, should be a problem considering the horses won at this distance before. Um, and you know, you could make an excuse, like you said, last out. So um, I, I just wonder what the odds, you know, I know we don't get the odds, but what will, what the odds would be on classier in this spot, because this is one of those races where I, I'd like to see odds to decide on who I'm going to play. Yeah. Um, I think classier is definitely, sorry to cut you off. I didn't know. If no, you're, you're good. Oh, no, I was going to pass it to you. Sounds good. It's just, I, and you could see time form us here projects a fast pace as this race is what obviously no on Patrick were touching on the two and the 11 going with the one five and seven, not far behind at all. So a fast pace generated, which is exactly what horses like classier needs um, in a race like this. I mean, as Noah pointed out a buyer top by far at 96, I mean, 89 is not too far behind. So this horse might just be in really good form was in really good form earlier in the year. Kind of dropped off a little bit as um, he went to Charlestown, but then brought it back once he got to Laurel. Last race, a little bit of a dud, but lost to some really good horses in Pirate Rick and stage left. So that's nothing to be you know completely down on. Just um, a jockey you haven't seen too much of in the Laurel at Laurel yet this year. And I mean, Laurel just opened back up, of course, but Kieran McGee um, over at the meet, but still a 23% trainer, just a cold start. To me, class year is definitely one to keep in mind to play in the mix. But guys, I did I did the um, which might be my dumbest opinion of the year. Granted, we are in the year three weeks, but yeah, I'm early. going. There's more coming. <laughs> I'm going with Grandpa, guys. I'm going with Greeley and Ben, the ten year old for Horacio Depaz. Just an, just a really really cool racehorse, guys. I mean, this horse raced 43 times 
and has won 25 of those 43 times and was still running 98s last year at the age of nine, guys. I mean, and this, you know, might might just be the last year for him. It's just the he's won twice this year already, but not with the figures he showed of last year. I just think there's just a really fast pace in this race, guys. And if this pace does fall apart, where is it going to come from? Class year is definitely one I might have overlooked. I might have to go back. But really, and Ben is the one that's going to come from the clouds. And maybe not um, maybe not even from the clouds. Maybe from like a mid-pack perspective. But I just think... Um, <laughs> God damn it, Howard. Um, you can't be making me laugh like that. This horse is on the cusp of a million dollars as well. R- run well. Um, if he runs well in here, he will be a millionaire from an $80,000 purchase. Um, actually, that was in 2022, but still 10 years old, still doing what great resources do, and that's win. I think if this pace melts down, I'm actually very interested in Greeley and Ben on top. Charlie, I'll let you go. We have the same exact horses underneath, and and Doe and Patrick both have the one in 10 underneath. I'll let you touch on anything with um, Greeley and Ben, and then um, let's go on to the other two, and then we'll move on. What you like most about Greeley and Ben? Yeah, so I mean, kind of what you were already talking about. You know, I think you really hit on it again. I always love my closers, so I just think that there is certainly enough pace for Gre- uh, Greeley and Ben. So at the very least, you know, getting the money, as you touched on, the horse has had a fantastic career, you know, sold for just $80,000 and is already approaching a million dollars in career earnings, which is fantastic and is winning more than 50% of the time. The horse is still working forwardly. And as you touched on, still putting up respectable figures. But I think as you touched on, the the reality is, you know, you see the 95s and the 98, and it's not like putting up, you know, mid-80s at 10 years old is bad. But I think the reality is we're seeing a horse that is understandably so starting to show some decline uh, again, I think the horse is talented enough to get the money, just not win. Uh, with the 11 Super Chow, again, I just I, I know uh, like Howard kind of touched on the chat, like the concerns when you have the invaders coming over that sometimes this track favors those more so who uh, you know have been running in Maryland. But for me, I mean, look, the horse has been in some great competition in terms of you know has been in some great threes, plenty of other stakes races. Uh, you know, in Florida and Monmouth and other places. Uh, I really like the progress we're seeing with this horse, though, because, you know, it was kind of some inconsistency where you just see some low 80s and then some high 70s. But now, you know, we see three consistent low 80s and then pops a high 80. So I think we're finally starting to see, you know, Super Chow kind of continuously showing forward progress. And uh, I don't think – and I also just like, you know, for a horse that has as much early speed – uh, last time I was able to sit off the pace a little bit more and came within a neck of getting the job done. So I certainly think Super Chow is very dangerous and could win this race. Uh, and then for my top choice, I'm going with the one. You know, this th- these last two races in the sequence, but for the stakes races, this one was the hardest for me to figure out. And again, kind of like what you touched on, you know, people see that Frat Pack, you know, was trained by Chad Brown and some people get concerned about that. But for me, the reality is after the debut, every single race that Frat Pack has won, is an effort that I think you could argue would be good enough to win in this field. Has consistently put up high 80s and has entered the 90s, was able to sit just off the pace, uh, you know, these last two races. And, you know, two back obviously missed by a nose uh, against solid competition, but then last time was able to go by and win convincingly. I just think if Frat Pack can continue to, you know, off a, a little bit of a layoff, run back to those numbers again, and, uh, you know, obviously Russell aboard for me is certainly a positive as well, because I think that means he also believes this horse can be live. And, you know, considering the horse has only been ridden by Irad and Pratt beforehand, certainly hasn't had any bad jockeys in the past either. So I think Frat Pack should be the horse to beat. I understand, obviously, the concerns of moving over to Laurel uh, and also obviously the concerns of switching away from Chad Brown. But uh, again, I think if the former turns, I think Frat Pack certainly is the one to beat. I mean, numbers wise, if this horse just continues to improve, 
This was a four-year-old first-time starter for Chad, which you don't see very often. Only one race, four-year-old year. Comes back as five and just really lights up the board. Very interesting. Be uh, Whitworth Beckman, guys, off of the trainer switch, is one for 17 in the last five years. So that's something to keep in mind as well, and definitely not easy switching from a trainer like Chad, but could be the way to go if this horse continues to improve. But I want to point out, guys, there's a few cross-entered in here which is something we have to keep in mind. So the two brother Conway, the three class years, all good, overly critical to four. So Alfred James is a horse that, that was very good during the summer. Um, is cross-entered into uh, Friday at Turfway Park. So be, keep in mind that that horse runs. Sir Alfred James will be out. And um, Didn't the other horse... Friday's card get canceled or no? Is that true? um at um at turfway i heard i think they I think uh might, i think you actually might be right there so that's actually a good thing but the, um super chat was cross-entered on saturday at gulfstream park so that's obviously a monster cross-enter as well so keep in mind where uh super chow will run because i think super chow is definitely live in this spot i'm going 10 11 1 charlie's going 1 11 10 patrick's going 3 10 1 noah's going 3 1 10 guys moving over to the last race here this is the race that throws the sequence all up into a rye here guys it's a beaten claiming five thousand dollar race going um it's going six furlongs on the dirt for phillies and mares which have not run, won a race since july 20th or never won four races so this is a I'm very interesting getting something flashbacks <laughs> man i don't know but it's a field of nine um with three no riders. So there's three pretty light horses with the greatest rider wow. in the nation. I don't know how he's going to ride three at once, but I'm, I'm excited to see. <laughs> the, I can't believe I made that joke last week and then you want to call that as your own. That's just unbelievable. I didn't fucking call it as my own. You don't want to hear that from you. Um, as a Michigan fan, what, all they do is steal and cheat. Are you really <laughs> oh, oh, my oh, yeah. God. There we go. There we go. Keep the L hanging above your head, dog. I don't care. Um, there's more than my favorite, most likely, guys. The number three, I have courage, which you'll see as I switch the, the picks right now. We all have the number three on top. Patrick, I'll come so back to bad. you for first. Or, Charlie, I'll come back to you for first pick. And here, the number three, I have courage. It seems like, look. Let's just be honest, guys. These horses are not the best horses in the world. They just aren't. Um, but the number three has uh, the number three. Eye of Courage has showed some pretty decent form in some races earlier this year, especially at Laurel at this level. Um, a little bit of a jump up in class in these last three races. Uh, Charlestown still ran pretty well in the last two, not so much. Dropping back down to this beaten claimer uh, level, Charlie. I think is what you're keying in on. Yeah, and honestly, with like you kind of touched on, you know, obviously the figures aren't anything that's going to get you, you know, all excited. And by no means are these world beaters. I mean, quite honestly, there's a reason they're all in for five thousand. Uh, but look, with I have courage, uh, you know, if you look at the efforts, some of the best efforts, you know, that not that it's amazing, but still, you know, the the sixty four second timeout, the are you could argue was the career best effort, you know. Then you see, you know, a fifty one after the horse had dropped to the forties, and then you see after it looked like, you know, maybe I have courage was very quickly just going to spiral out of control, then all of a sudden drops a 65 and wins going away at Laurel Six Furlough. You know, we've kind of touched on this angle before where, you know, when you're trying to figure out what to do where you're nitpicking horses and not in a good way because you're just trying to find something to get excited about. I think that's the angle with Eye of Courage is, you know, you look at a horse that loves the track and loves the distance, and that's where the horse kind of shows, again, not world beater numbers, but for this field, numbers that would certainly be the ones to beat. I just think Eye of Courage is 
the safest bet in this race. And again, uh, if you can find a horse that shows any sort of life and hope in a race like this at a certain type of distance, why not go with a horse like I have courage to again, I mean, from a value perspective, probably won't be amazing. Uh, but again, has shown the ability to kind of run that same old trip of just sitting off and passing. And we've also touched on, you know, for horses like these, it's very hard to find ones that actually, you know, show the ability to pass. A lot of them just like to look like they're stuck in the mud and can't really move. Uh, but so that was kind of my angle there. And then uh, I'll go into the five and let you guys touch on those two, because I know everybody is kind of on three, five as their top two. So for, you know, alas, and a lack, uh, obviously, one of three horses ridden by no rider. I don't know which one he'll end up landing on, but I would assume this would be his first choice. Uh, you know, I got it last time out. The effort wasn't amazing. Uh, but again, the same kind of angle I took with the three. You look three races back, Laurel, six furlongs, runs a career best figure and showed the ability to pass. That was kind of just my angle in this race was just try to find horses that can excel at this distance and that have shown the ability to pass. Because that's like the two most valuable things you can find in a race of this quality. I agree with you. No, I'm going to pull it over to you here because you have the one and four, two horses that neither Pat, neither Charlie or I have underneath. Patrick has the horse in second, but I'll let you touch on these two and then we'll move on to our best bets here. The number one is Mrs. Dell for Ray Glinter, uh, uh trainer switch where uh, Ray's six for 41 off the trainer switch. Not that bad. Um, and ran a good one, two back at Laurel. I mean, in a, in a starter allowance race, it looks to be in decent form here as long as he can run back to that race although off a long layoff yeah that was a, a pretty good race uh at the beginning of april um other than that there's really not much to say um you go back to the form uh most of last year uh running some you know mid 50s high 50s which is you know pretty competitive with this field um you know normally i wouldn't really pick an eight-year-old that's been off you know for an extended period of time but Granted, the high quality of this field, I just thought it was, you know, fitting to, to put this horse in second. Uh, and then I've got Smooth Pebble in third, who, again, has run some decent numbers in the past. Um, has run, you know, some 70, 71, 72. Granted, some of those were on the tapita, on the turf, going a mile, going five furlongs. Um, you know, in the last race, really didn't show much. Um, you know, I, if one of us four were running, we probably would have just been caught by that horse. Um, but, you know, like I said, granted the the very high quality of horses in this field, um, I think Smooth Pebbles got a real good shot. Yeah, I mean, look, if, if Smooth Pebble can carry those turf numbers over to dirt, that's exactly it. Just hasn't really shown to be able to run on dirt this race back at 42. And then the last time, uh, granted in the slop, so maybe the horse just doesn't like the slop, but ran at 25. That's probably it. Mention. So, <laughs> all right. Okay. That's about it for uh, that's time. No, it's in timeout till we go over best bets. But either way, it's, the point's still there, guys. Look, these aren't the best horses. I think I have courage has the best chance um, out of anyone to win this race and sit the right trip at a, at a level where um, that most likely suits her. There's a lot of other. I mean, the one is the other one, Mrs. Dell horse that might be able to jump out to the lead and run back just off a long layoff and a trainer switch a completely fresh face and the number four smooth pebble who noah talked about who has to show that she can run on turf but guys we're um we're gonna move the best bets here guys as my co-hosts are just doing something on the back end that's making them just giggle up a storm either way patrick or no uh, charlie uh, you are first my friend bunch of children you here yeah just just a, I, just a bunch i'm trying to corral a bunch of children in here either way charlie you're up you're going first my friend race number seven 
Um, you are going. Wait, no, that's Patrick. Sorry, race number. Uh, you are going with an exact of five over four eight in the race number eight. You're going a double six seven over one. Charlie, talk about your best bets. Yeah, you know, I kind of touched on it earlier. I just think sevens eleven is a speed horse that has clearly shown the ability to you know be the class of the field and loves this track and distance and can wire this field. Put the four and eight underneath. You know, again, we all kind of touched on it. I know the eight probably makes the most sense as the most logical second place horse. Uh, but, you know, to find some other value, I know the four won't be an amazing price by any means, but I think as one of the other logical contenders and the only other angle I know I didn't get to talk on it at the time uh, that I like about the fours, even though the five has gotten the better of the horse in the past, I think the four will get the first jump at sevens 11. Uh, the four is, uh, sorry, that's double crown. Double crown will get the first jump over post time. So I just feel like maybe if the pace isn't fast enough for post time to close into then that four can get in underneath and then the last race uh that i did for my uh double six seven into one you know i'm just taking a little bit of a gamble and a risk here uh you know i know frat pack has some concerns again off the layoff and switching from chad brown but i just think if the horse runs back to those figures absolutely fits in this spot uh and then the race plan into it uh i went with the six and seven the two horses we kept talking about can't hurry love and white chocolate where you know if white chocolate gets away i'm covered and uh you know if the six can sit that trip again and has shown the ability last time out to stalk and go by then the horse gets it done so those are my two best bets hey good luck with yours i don't mind any of those opinions maybe except frat pack but we'll see what happens when we get there on saturday patrick going to you next my friend race number six a double nine eleven with five and going race number eight a win on number seven white chocolate patrick go ahead with your best bets yeah, you know, I think between um, the uh, the eleven and the nine in that race, um, you know, I have the eleven on top, uh, but it, that's a tough opening, you know, if you, especially if you're playing for the pick five. That's a tough race, um, you know. You're gonna probably have to spread in there, but I think uh, a double will pay well into a strong opinion. Uh, the number five in the seventh, uh, sevens eleven, who most of us like here, and then um, in the eighth race, uh, yeah, white chocolate. I I like a lot. Not a fan of white chocolate itself in person like the boss is but um i do like that horse on saturday um to win I, I and again it's just a matter of what will what trip will white chocolate get in that type mm-hmm. of race and that's always going to be the caveat but it can completely happen if the horse does end up getting away on the win and patrick good luck with your best bets noah you're going next my friend you have two win bets on the cards race number seven a win on number five seven's eleven and in race number nine, a win on the number three class year. Both very live horses. Noah, talk about your best bets. Yeah, you guys already touched on a lot about 7-11 or 7-11, whatever. I'm craving slurpees 7-11, right yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just thought that race was pretty much a two-horse race with the five and the eight. Uh, just the one concern that I had with the eight again is the first time facing older. That's why I didn't have the horse on top. Um, and then fast forward to the ninth race, uh, I had uh, – Class here, who previously was in the Baffert Barn, got claimed, uh, has, has been in Laurel and uh, has been at Charlestown a couple times too. Uh, ended up running a 96 two back, uh, but ran in a, a not so great number last time uh, and was six to five in the in the race. But uh, that that race came back pretty live. Another horse that likes Laurel and a horse that has a lot of speed and one that you know the, the race should set up for so i'm I, i'm thinking that horse has, has got a chance to close into a, a, a very nice pace i completely agree with you look i like i said class year might be the one horse that i might have overlooked personally just straight up in the sequence i'll have to go back if you want to follow my twitter for a full complete picks please at ap roscoe k follow me over there all picks will be posted on saturday 
Um, and I'm going to go with, guys, two bets. Bets win on the number nine Royal Whisper. I, that's why I talked about a horse that never that didn't. I know Patrick actually had the horse in his best bets with the double. Just a horse I don't think is um, garnered too much attention. I think that last race that I showed the replay of is one to really key on, especially if she can sit a very nice trip. I'm going with a win on number nine Royal Whisper in the sixth race. And in race number seven, guys, I'm going to key in on post time. You know, it's basically going to be it's me against the world, it seems like, on this horse. And if this horse really shows what I think this horse is capable of, I think he wins for not for fun, but pretty, pretty well off by one and a half or two, I think, if he runs to his best. And with the two six in the next race, that's race number eight. That is the what a summer stakes. So looking to headland, maybe to get a little bit of a jump, but the number six, uh, can hurry love for Duggan and McCarthy. Duggan's only shipped there three times. All well-meant horses. I think this might be his best shot to get a win on the board, especially if she improves off that last race in the Garland of Roses. So win a number nine, Royal Whisper in race six and race number seven, singling post time and going with the two six in the next race but guys that's going to do it for our horse racing segment thank you guys so much for tuning in um it's a really fun sequence at laurel i know again it's not the one that's going to garner the most attention but definitely definitely one of the best sequences of the entire weekend so laurel park um late pick five is in the books thank you guys so much for tuning in but don't go anywhere guys we're going to talk quick about the and we're going to give a round table picks and quick analysis for the nfl playoffs that come up this weekend and there are four games coming up the first game of course is baltimore at houston um the lines that were sent to me early i have minus nine and a half for baltimore and if i search up i'm gonna search up the lines right now as i bring them up hold on i've got baltimore minus nine on espn i have nine and a half half. yeah so um charlie i'll go to you first for this one and then i'll go around and then once charlie um give quick analysis then we'll move on to like a round table pick and we'll basically hold each other to it for next week's show. But Charlie Houston, Houston, Baltimore, you know, for a lot of people that thought Cleveland's going to win that, that game last week, this is shaping up to be a pretty good game. Yeah. I actually have three strong picks uh, out of the four games and, you know, uh, two of them are spreads. One of them's a total uh, for this one. It's the total, you know, the nine and a half scares me. If I had to play the spread, I would go with Houston. I just think they're a team that's, you know, underrated and slept on. I know for me, quite honestly, I know I picked Cleveland last week, but truly if Houston had different matchups, I think they could have beat Kansas City. Um, I don't think they would beat Baltimore. I don't think they would beat Buffalo. I just thought Cleveland's defense might have been a tough matchup for them. But I absolutely think Houston could stay with them in the number. But for me, the bet I like the most right now is uh, the over-unders at 43 and a half I'm seeing right now. And I would absolutely be hammering that over. I mean, we see how explosive this Texans offense is without C- or now that C.J. Stroud's back. And I'm very confident that team can put up you know, at least 20 something points. And if you're assuming, you know, Baltimore wins or gets anywhere near a cover, you're going to have to go way over that totally. You know, I could see this though, being a game, you know, Baltimore wins, you know, 27, 20, maybe, you know, 30 to 23, something like that, where you're just going way over that 43. So for me, uh, the over would be my main pick. I still think Baltimore's too tough. Their defense is top three in the league. Lamar's so talented. They're in unbelievable form. They're rested you know but i guess the only other argument you can make for the texans know is they're not going to be as rusty they're flying on a high and they have all the confidence in the world as a young team but i'm going to trust the ravens here in this spot so to win. um so nine and a half charlie this actually will give a pretty good precursor to what we talk about after this show but nine and a half Bal- baltimore minus or houston plus with the baltimore hook being minus. towards the ravens okay so which I, one? I would still if i had to pick a spread i'd still take houston plus nine and a half that's just so many okay. points patrick 
I'm taking uh, Baltimore with the points. Noah? I'd probably go Houston just because I feel like having – people always say that, like, you know, having the week break is the advantage. I think playing the game is the advantage. I just think, you know, teams at that point are used to playing week by week. Um, and, you know, I I just yeah. think, you know, the Texans are harder than any team right now, so I would probably take yeah. them with the spread. I, I mean, look, you we talk about this where, you know, these teams get these weeks off, and it's meant to seem like a good thing, but they come with these teams that come in ready to play hot and – Hot and fresh, like Little Caesars, I guess you could say. I thought about that, and I was like, it sounds really like something else that I know. Um, I'm going to probably take, even though the hook is towards Baltimore, I think I would take Houston plus nine and a half, getting that extra week of play. What's up, Pat? And then one other thing I want to say quick, too, is both number one seeds, that week yep. 18, too, they they sat their, um, they sat their starters. Mm-hmm. So, yep. you know, just to hit on Noah's point of, you know, them being one week, you, you could argue that it's been multiple weeks now. So, you know. I, I do think just quickly with the Ravens, if the Ravens can find their run game um, early and get get a lead, that that could that could be tough on Stroud in the second half on the road. But, but listen, the kid's been playing unbelievable, and you know at least we see one Ohio State player do something well. But that's you know <laughs> nothing here. Yes, are right oh, we saying quarterback yes, running getting it from both sides? We love it. Yes, we do. God, thank God someone is on my side. Anyway, um, I would probably go Houston, even though the hook is towards Baltimore as well. I just think plus nine and a half is a, or nine and a half is a lot of points to cover with the team coming in um, as talented and as hot as Houston is. Green Bay, San Francisco. Patrick, I'll throw to you. Again, quick analysis, then we'll go around. This is nine and a half again towards San Francisco. And again, another team where you know they're saying it's a hot Green Bay team coming into a team that's realistically had two weeks off. Yeah, and I mean, you look at whatever the Cowboys' game plan was in that game was just something from a movie. Well, it's a, nor- it's a mean, normal Cowboys plan, you know. I know it's the Mike McCarthy special, but you know, it's still you know just the fact of the matter yeah. is, is you know, running the ball on first and second down and not making it look any different was just incredible. Um, it, this is a tough spot for the Packers. And I, I, I just think that, you know, a lot of people are going to just go towards them and say, you know, cause they're a big fan base, you know, obviously a legacy team that they're going to keep this one close, but this San Fran team, you know, is they're, they're really loaded. And I, I just think um, Jordan love might be in for a rough one with that pass rush. So uh, we'll see, uh, you know, I hope love plays well because he gets a lot of crap for being, ha- having a very good year. Um, and I, I think this hopefully will be closer than I expect. So minus nine and a half, Pat. Which way? Yeah, I'm gonna take the points with both number one seed favorites. Shh, that's not a good thing. But <laughs> shit, <laughs> I'll fill in the blanks for that one. Noah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think last week was just the Cowboys being the Cowboys in the playoffs, yeah. and I still think I still think that 49ers are the best team in the league. So I would take San Francisco minus nine or nine and a half, whatever it is. Charlie. Yeah, this is my least favorite game out of the four. I thought this was the hardest one. The total doesn't excite me because everyone's all over the over, which would mean probably the under, but I wouldn't take that here either. Uh, I I would pick San Francisco minus nine and a half. I mean, look, Mike Tyson kind of explained it where he said everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. 
I feel like that's kind of the way Green Bay works in the playoffs, you know. Every Green Bay Packer fan feels confident until they lose by 40 to the 49ers every damn year in the playoffs, no matter what they try to do. And I think that's just what's going to happen again. Again, I, I understand, you know, the Niners with having a big break, and we touched about the concerns. But the one argument I guess you can make the other way, though, is the Niners, you know, year in and year out are playoff team, year in and year out are usually like a one or two seed that gets to buy, so they're used to this. You know, I trust Shanahan. I'd be a little more nervous with the Ravens we were talking about it because they haven't really been in this one seed spot as often. You know, they haven't really been the team to get the buy. They normally are a wild card team. Uh, but look, I just I don't think this Green Bay team might look. Maybe it is the you know bias from us being Bears fans, but I'm still not completely sold on this team. And also got another thing I looked. The public is all over Green Bay right now uh, at you know, the nine and a half spread yet. It still hasn't moved at all, which again, tells me something about the Niners. I trust their team. They can run the ball. They can throw the ball. They have an elite defense. I still believe as Noah said that you can argue they're the best all around team in the league when they play at their best. And I just think Packers are going to struggle. And as long as you don't give Jordan love all day to throw, they're going to have trouble. I don't disagree with you by any means. I'm also leaning towards San Francisco. Unbiased opinion. Talking about another unbiased opinion. 49ers will get large lead and cover the nine and a half coming from <laughs> San Francisco native Tom Espinosa. But I kind of I don't disagree with you. Like that's kind of the thing I think would throw the Packers reel off. If like San Francisco jumps out to a 14-0 lead, like they just score two first possessions. Let's say they get the ball first, they score first. Green Bay goes three and out or one first down and out, and then San Francisco scores again. I feel like that might send them into a spiral, but we'll see. I mean, Green Bay is definitely as good as anyone right now, and if they can continue on that path, 49ers could be in for a game. Guys, Two the two games on Sunday, um, one's very good. The other's, you know, people aren't looking forward to as much. Detroit, Tampa Bay at Detroit, minus six and a half. Of course, Detroit coming off their first playoff win in over my lifetime that's for damn sure um and over everyone here's lifetime but still just a fantastic story and now they bring in a tampa bay team who just destroyed a really cook those uh, frauds cook those bad frauds. eagles team that just seems like they had no idea um what to do in certain situations no i'll go to you first and then we'll pick around of course for the spread um i mean like i said the tampa bay tampa bay is coming in good but i mean detroit team my, with the hook as well, you know, it's definitely something to consider. Yeah, after watching that Monday night game, um, I immediately said that Detroit was going to beat the Bucks by at least two touchdowns. Um, and the fact that it's only six and a half, I would actually be willing to take an alternate line Ooh. if you can yeah. and and hammer that. I love it. Charlie? Yeah, I'm the complete other way. You know, I see where Noah's coming from. I've, I've been in this spot before, you know, where you either beat a team before or you might have narrowly lost to a team. And so, you know, it's part of the stages of grief process where you have to convince No, this, this is completely you. unbiased, Charlie. I'm, I'm just saying, look, I it, some 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 of it's unconscious. You don't even notice it as you're talking about it. So I think that's maybe what this is. Look, for me, again, the public is all over Detroit. So, you know, Noah's clearly not alone in this. And yet, you know, the spread has moved actually from plus seven to plus six and a half is what I'm seeing. So the Sharps are all over. When I last looked, it was like 70% of the public was on Detroit anyway. Uh, for me, I actually really like uh, Tampa Bay here. Uh, I think Detroit will win, but the reality is, and, you know, I actually talked to my friend, and that's part of what's influenced my pick, who's a dire Lions fan. They always like to play in close games. You know, the Lions don't really go out and blow teams out. That's a big reason why they were kind of seen as, you know, on fraud watch throughout the season, is they weren't beating up on teams as often as, you know, the 49ers and the Ravens of the world were. And, you know, even the Bills, when they started to turn stuff around, when they were starting to, you know, show that strong improvement like we saw when they just beat up on the Steelers uh, last week. So I honestly think also, I mean, I talked about this before we talked about this show last week. Tampa Bay has a very, very good defense. 
Mm-hmm. The offense obviously has its concerns, but they have great receivers. I, we, I talked about Evans and Godwin. Rashad White's great as well. The big concern is honestly, can Baker just play decent enough to keep them in the game and maybe win? Now, I don't think he'll win, but I mean, we just saw against the Eagles. I, I understand the defense is reeling, but still, it's a playoff game, and he showed no fear and balled out. I mean, he was dotting them up the entire night. I think this game is going to be close. I like Detroit here to win, but I think this is going to be like a 27-24 Detroit game, somewhere around there. And again, I feel like this is another game where they're giving you the hook to basically try to dare you and beg you to take Detroit, as most of the public is. So I'm going to take Tampa plus six and a half and run with it. I trust them to keep this game closer. Patrick? Yeah, Charlie, I'm on the same uh, – I agree with you. Uh, I, listen, Baker's, Baker's covered um, as an underdog in his last four times in like seven out of eight. Um, you know, yep. he's played really well um, as an underdog. And, and you know, we could talk about how, you know, how good Detroit's playing and stuff like that. That offense is great. Their defense is allowed a ton of yards. Um, it's not great. And that could be a problem in this spot with a Bucks defense that is very much better than the Rams and have started to play well. So I, I think – I think You disagree, be- Noah? I saw Noah do this after he said Rams defense was worse than the Buccaneers. Go back, Pat, but I agree with you. I think the Bucs defense is one of the best in the league. Yeah, and I just think Todd Bowles is he he he's one of the best at you know drawing up blitzes and uh, a game plan. So I I I I would not discount um Tampa Bay. And if this gets up to seven, uh I will definitely uh put a nice wager on them to cover. Well, speaking of that, um our line's not moving. It is six and a half towards Detroit on our sheet. Um no fun. I, I don't know, guys. I, I this yeah, is no a game I'm very wishy-washy on. Um, it's not my strong. I probably honestly lead towards the Lions. I understand your guys' points. I like the hook in favor, but you know, it's, touchdown hook is less. You can say two field goals and stuff like that. For me, this is my definitely my worst opinion. I probably lean towards the Lions and just getting over. You know, they're the the must-win playoff game for the first time in 30 years. Now they can settle in. It's a team coming to them again from Tampa Bay, who didn't really play as grueling a game as I hope they as I hope they would have um, last year uh, last week. But still coming in, I like Detroit. But obviously, we'll talk about that more as we go on. Kansas City guys at Buffalo. Buffalo only minus two and a half in a game like this. It's the game of the weekend. Be, it is a game in the weekend for sure, and definitely by spread. It's the only one within anywhere close to a field goal. Um, hook in favor of Buffalo here, minus two and a half only. Like I said, 45 and a half is the over under, um, Charlie, I'll go back to you here. Like I said, and then we'll wrap up the show, but, um, minus two and a half for Buffalo. That's actually very interesting on a team that has a lot of playoff experience. Obviously. So does Kansas city, but it looks like Buffalo is finally starting to catch their groove. Yeah. You know, quite honestly, I sort of expected this spread. I'm actually looking right now and I know, uh, uh, we've talked about this before where certain sides are juiced and right now Buffalo minus two and a half is minus 122 which is pretty strong so I think if you like Buffalo I understand it's some juice but I would be trying to get it while you can because of the fact that uh, that's going to be moved to minus three probably very quickly so for me I would be placing about on this as, as quickly as I possibly could on Buffalo if I can still get it at two and a half absolutely uh, look I understand I've been talking about Kansas City fan the nonstop look the reality is in the Dolphins game everybody saw this when the Dolphins were originally starting to have a balanced game plan and run the ball, they had a, de- a few decent possessions, and then they just threw it every damn play. And you saw Dolphins fans everywhere complaining, Tua can't play in the cold weather. 
and you have a decent run game and all your running backs are finally back. Why are, you know, I said, it's like a scene from the blind side where they just say, run the damn football. That's what they should have run the damn football. I don't know what Mike McDaniels and never do. I mean, look, he's an offensive genius. Don't get me wrong, but run the, part of my friends, but run the fucking football. This isn't complicated. It's a tundra out there. Run the damn ball. So I think that's what hurt them there. I'm still not sold on Kansas city. You know, we still saw their passing game as good as Mahomes was or is it still didn't look as good as we're used to. I get the weather concerns and everything, but look, Buffalo has a history with this Kansas City team. They're hungry. They want to get over the hump. They're the hottest team in the NFL right now. They're playing with confidence. I understand the injury concerns with Buffalo and the weather concerns, but their defense has finally got their swagger back. Their offense is as good as it's been. They're they're rolling now ever since they switched their new offensive coordinator. I like that they also finally have established some sort of run game with James Cook. I just think Buffalo is the more talented team. I feel like if there was ever a year where it was like, you know, we talk about in other sports too, you know, like when the Bulls finally got over the hump of the Pistons. I feel like this is where, like, if Buffalo is going to get over that Kansas City hump, it's got to be this year or it's never going to happen. I think we talked about this with Detroit last week where the Rams was like their must-win game. I think this is the biggest must-win game for any team in any round out, including the Super Bowl. I think Buffalo has to get through Kansas City. They're at home for the first time when these two face off, and I think they will get the job done and they'll cover comfortably. Patrick? Yeah, uh, I'm a big fan of the Bills. Um, you know, I, I think they've, you know, they faced adversity early on. Um, and now they've won six straight and they've done them and they've won in different ways. Um, you know, I know injuries have started to rack up on defense. They should get a couple guys healthy by game time on Sunday. Um, and I, I, I do think, you know, there's something to be said about Mahomes having to go on the road at the playoffs. Um, you know, that does not happen often. And I think in this no. spot, you know, you get him in a night game in Buffalo, maybe get some, you know, they'll have snow in the crowd, I hope, and those snow snowballs will be flying. That'll be a fun, fun scene. So um, I think it'll be a great game. Another one where it's going to go into the fourth quarter and be a toss-up. Um, but I, I hope Buffalo pulls it out for, um, you know, I do the boss and I actually have the same wager on uh, Buffalo to win the Super Bowl. So we'll see. Well, then you damn hope that Buffalo wins the, this game. <laughs> no, I'll go to you and I'll give my opinions to wrap up. Yeah, this was the game I didn't really know what to do with. Um, I, I would probably just lean towards the Chiefs just because the Bills haven't kind of been able to give a, get over that hump. Um, and like Charlie said, if they don't do it now, then I don't think they ever will. So I, I'm just – it's it's a very soft pick, but I'd probably lean with the Chiefs. Still a very fair point, though. I'm honestly leaning on Buffalo, guys. There's not not really too much that's installed in me in the Chiefs that can beat a team like a red-hot Buffalo. It just um, – it just doesn't really do it for me that Pat, you know, Patrick Mahomes is still good as always, but the weapons have obviously turned down. We've seen that with production this year against the top notch Buffalo defense. Josh Allen can just keep the ball on to, you know, throwing to guys in blue or white. Um, then the, the, I think Buffalo wins this game pretty handily, but we'll see. Um, we'll see if they can overcome. I know they've had some injuries on defense, but um, that will be something to be told. As well as brought up by Jim Pilars right here. As you'll see, hope you guys are right. They've lost three starting uh, linebackers, both starting corners in their slot corner. Defense struggling against Pittsburgh in the second half. They won't be able to cover Kelsey. That's a fair point, to be fair. Um, it's, I mean, look, it's still Buffalo's defense, even though they have lost some guys. They're still very stout to a passing uh, team that hasn't looked the best at all this year. I really like their inside, but obviously, it's something to be seen on sunday but guys that will do it for episode number 57 of bet and booze and here on the hhh racing podcast thank you guys so much for watching we greatly appreciate it for my co-host noah maher patrick Kunsel, 
and Charlie Freeman. This has been your host, Kyle Roscoe, in episode number 57 of Betting and Boozing here on the HHH Racing Podcast. And until next time, crush those bets, win your photos, and stay safe, everybody. We'll see you in the next one. Have a good night.